In, in the manner of debate, there is um, a noted um, pattern, which is not always welcomed, but it is an interjection of the opponent. Now, we've known this for a long time. Debates have been going on for a long time. The House of Commons has featured these types of debates for centuries. And more often, even the Senate of Rome debated. And we do know from historical record that from time to time, whoever was on the floor or had the floor... um, did not always get to settle his side without an interjection. <laughs> so the interjection's not always welcome, and sometimes it is. Of course, people might declare that it's uncivilized or a lack of decorum if one is presenting a case. And yet another shouts out from some place a message that might interrupt or disturb the case being made. I'll do it to myself today to help you. Because the Lord would not let me get past this scripture, though it was not in my daily reading. He led me to the verse and then he wouldn't let me get on to the next verse in the reading before he impressed me and interjected something in the thought. I'll help you with it in a moment. We're reading from the book of Ruth chapter 1. Amen. Now, we have more sound panels to go on walls and the ceiling's a little higher than it was and the, and there's a lot of soundproofing with the curtains behind me. So when you say amen, make sure you're disturbing someone close by. It will help me. And it may or may not encourage them. But next Sunday they can find another seat because there's plenty to go around. I'm hoping... <laughs> I'm hoping that we don't have an amen corner. Dear Lord, get out of the corner. (laughs) The good part is there are no corners in this place. I don't think that you can sit. So if there's going to be an amen or hallelujah or that's right, I need to know that. I'm going to interject and interrupt myself. I don't mind if you help me. Are you ready? Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man, he was from the little town, the house of bread called Bethlehem. It was in Judah. And he went 
into the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. I wanted to get past that reading and the Lord really didn't let me. I'm preaching today, famine. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I pray for all the people that have come into this house, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would arrest their hearts and their attentions to your word. Lord, I don't know how many who that this word is for, but I know that you have given it to me for this moment in time. So I pray, Lord, let the word go forth and let it return with manifold blessings even now today. And that before we leave this house, let there be something that arises and erupts inside the hearts of the people that hear the word, Lord. Without your word, we can do nothing. Without your spirit, we are nothing. Without your name, we have no identification, Lord. Without your blood, there is no atonement, Lord Jesus. And so, oh, you're thankful, God. We've got it all right here. I pray for the people in Jesus' name. I pray for the church, Lord, right now. In the name of Jesus, bless the body, Lord, in Jesus' name. Heal the body right now in Jesus' name. Take care of your sons and your daughters. We are joint heirs with you, Lord, and we're calling on you right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. Put your Bibles down behind you if you can. And clap your hands unto the Lord. And shout to God with the voice of triumph. Hey! 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 Come on, do it one more time with all of your mind and all of your heart. Thank you, and you may be seated. The book of Ruth is a romance book, yet it's set against the dark background of apostasy and foreign oppression. The judges are present. The judges of Israel are bridging the gap between patriarchs and prophets and kings to come. The lead character of the book will find her footing in the first chapter of Matthew's account. She will become the great-grandmother of Israel's most beloved monarch, King David. Moab, the home and birthplace of Ruth, was the settlement of a son born by Lot in a union too unsavory to share in this forum. If you read your Bible, you'll discover it. The people of Moab have engaged in their own conflicts. I have oft pondered the loss of these historical accounts, sentiments shared by Jeremiah who once told the people to ask and seek for the old path where the way he said is good. It was an understanding of what had been and the power that attended to the knowledge. He said... Look for the old path and know where you've come from and get on that path. In prayer this week, it was the self-titled story that caught my attention. But it was more than that. It was the Spirit of the Lord that caused me to pause at the very sentence of the first verse. And I quote again, there was a famine in the land. It was a famine 
that caused a man named Elimelech to move his family away from Judah. Here's verse 2. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem of Judah. They went to Moab and lived there. The famine caused some type of conversation to ensue in their home. And while we are not privy to the words used, or if worry or fear or arguments were made in that house, the fact is that Elimelech picked up his belongings and moved his family to Moab to escape the famine. The famine, a drought, was the cause of failed crops and a struggling economy. He left Bethlehem of Judah to go to a place where both the enemies of God lived and where the law of Moses had, could not be found. But Elimelech placed the economic situation, his own economic situation, above the principles of the land. But this was not the only famine to ever exist in time. That land was always subject to barren skies and parched ground. And, and even still, not all the people moved. In fact, there is no record of a mass exodus. Maybe some might have drifted away, but Judah was still intact, even though Elimelech moved away. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter who moves away, Judah will always be intact. There will always be Judah. You can move if you want to. You can dismiss it if you will. You can get tired of it and remain silent, but there will always be Judah. <laughs> and yes, famines are common, and I suppose that the thoughts of abandonment are likewise, maybe to many people. Elimelech should have known his history, however. He could have read it in the writings. I'm sure that he did, but he left the well-worn path, the old path. He made his own way. If he had taken time to remember, he would have recounted Isaac's story in Genesis chapter 26. I'll read it to you. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gahar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I'll be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give you all of these lands and will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. And for the scholars in this room, you might join me for a moment in the effort to find a host of Isaac's redeemable qualities. I'm struggling with it. But this is a standout moment because Isaac also suffered a famine. But instead of packing up and moving his family in search of water or money or provisions, he obeyed the Lord. And God said, don't go down into Egypt, but live right where I put you. There is a drought it's going on, but stay where you are because beneath these heavy stones, beneath that parched and hard earth, there is water. Dig where you are. Dig where I've given you the land, where I planted you. Yes, it's more work, but this is the place that I promised you and your father. God said, Genesis 26 and 3, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you because God knew and God told them you will not keep the land if you do not occupy the land the place whether empty or full that's the place that has to be kept in the last words of Luke nineteen thirteen, 
Jesus is speaking a word. It's a parable. And he says, occupy till I come. Work till I come. Take charge till I come. Keep doing what you should be doing until the day darkens and there is no sunshine left. Because you've got to stay where you are. I want to tell you, I, I feel this deep for someone here. Your faith is going to stand trial and your resolve is going to be tested and some are going to err from the faith. I'll give you three words that forever break my heart. Here are the three words from the truth. It should be in the truth or it should be to the truth or it ought to be because of the truth. But the worst three words are from the truth. But sojourn, don't leave the truth. Even if you are struggling, even if you're in a famine, don't ever leave the church. And I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that the famine was made by the same God who made the rain. And drought is the withholding from the same Savior whose hands are mighty to save and deliver. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide for you. And without the element of proof, Isaac obeyed the voice and lived with the dry and through the dry. And he went through the thirsty because he knew this is the place I've got to occupy. You live there until I change the environment. Paul sent a word. To the church in Corinth. And he said. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. This is a little unsettling for people. Who like to tell me. About the, the uniqueness of their trouble. You. Are you reading the scripture? For who makes you different. From anyone else. Verse 9. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. Verse 11. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. Verse 12. We work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted... We endure it. Verse 13. When we are slandered. (laughs) This is not a healthy scripture for the American audience. We answer kindly. When you're going through a famine. You stay right where you are and trust God. When you're going through struggle. You stay right. This is a good time for the interjection. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. But pastor, you don't understand. I'm going through a hard time. I want you to interject and and get out of decorum and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm going to stand here and I know without a doubt many of you can make your excuse and you can say well this is what's going on and I don't understand why here's what Paul said what makes you different than anybody else but the Lord came back to say I want to interject something here I will bless the Lord at all times his praise is just going to flow out of my mouth sojourn sojourn Keep walking in the land that the Lord promised you. (laughs) Abraham had a famine. 
But Isaac had to have his own famine. Because no one can live off the blessings or the sacrifices of their father or mother. You're going to have to make your own sacrifices. And I'm going to be real here today. And you're going to have to go through your own famine and endure it. And you'll be all right. You're not the first person to go through trouble. You're not the first person to go through conflict. You won't be the last person, but you will come through it. And when you're tried, the Bible says in a furnace of earth, tried seven times, you're going to come forth tried as pure gold. Because the first pass is not really that pure. you got a lot of impurities. You're going to say, well, I don't understand why I'm going through something again. And the second pass is better than the first pass. And by the time you get to the seventh time around, the Lord will take all the stuff out of you. You didn't even know you had that stuff. But you got to go through the fire. These are the words in the historical record. And they were afforded to Elimelech, but he discarded them. And he packed up his wife and his two sons because a famine makes a man face his priorities. He'll have to figure out what's important to him. But I must tell you, there will always be a famine. No one is going to live this life without going through a drought. No one makes it to the end without the dry, somewhere in the middle. Shortages and dearth and bewilderment are all part of the journey. And I apologize to all of you for the fake and false prosperity preachers who have lied to the American church. All those television evangelists that preach a false doctrine of continual harvest, they are not telling you the truth and they're not in the word. That nonsense has permeated the modern mind into thinking that if there is a famine, either we've done something wrong or there is no God. It is nothing less than an antichrist message. It has no consideration of the Garden of Gethsemane or the 70 disciples being sent out without supplies, without a plan, without extra clothes. Jesus even said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That doesn't play very well on television or on the media. But I will say that Jesus is going to supply your every need or just enough to get you through the day. In Israel, we, we've gone through these places of antiquities and to find a lamp. Now, if you want to find a lamp, it's usually a handheld lamp. And, 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 and if you don't have much money, you got to get the real small one. And I have a real small one. And it, it looks like, um, it, it looked like one of those old, if you can picture it, uh, uh, genie, uh, where a genie would come out of. It's just a little, it, it just kind of has a little curvature. On the end of it, there's a spout, almost like a little pouring cup. And, and in the spout would be the wick. And, and, and in this area here, uh, the, the, the larger mouth would be where the oil would be put in. And, and, and there's the lamp. There's your lamp. And when, when David said, you're a, your word is a light to my path and a, la- a lamp to my path a light to my pathway. He wasn't talking about a massive illumination. He was talking about a little handheld lamp and this is how you have to walk with one of those. You have to put it close to the ground because you can't see very well. 
and you got to pay attention because you're not going to know where you're going. And in this mind of ours right now, we think that God's got to show us everything. He's not going to show you. You got to pay attention. You're going to have to have your head down a little bit. Your eyes have got to be open. He's not going to tell you about tomorrow or the next day. In fact, he said, take no thought for tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm working on a counterculture counter American culture message today because I know what we believe we think that if we're living for God all the provisions will come for us yes the Lord will provide for you but he's more interested in your eternal soul than your bank account I don't know wait a second either I can't hear you are you, you don't want to hear that. I just want to tell you, Jesus will supply the next step. He won't supply the next day. He won't give you what you need for tomorrow. But he's planning on right now today. He's going to give you understanding for the moment. You may not understand it all, but he'll give you understanding for the moment. And he'll give you strength for the thing that you're going through. Look, look, here's your scripture. Elimelech had it written. It could have been in his mind, but it was not in his heart. Isaac's testimony was certainly rehearsed among them even when he was a child. But when it came for Elimelech to make his choice, he left his possession and he left his promise to satisfy his temporal need. You need to know this, ladies and gentlemen. There will always be a drought. And if you haven't gone through one, you will. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not trying to find trouble. I'm trying to run away from trouble. You know who they are. (laughs) But in this life, there will be tribulation. What Bible are you reading? There will be strife. I will bless the Lord at all times. But I will bless the Lord at all time. Yet, I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I know. I know. You see, 15-minute power sermons, which encourage and motivate, they always draw a crowd. But not every season is about expansion. And God is still God when there is a retraction. And I feel pressed by the Holy Ghost to preach to you today. Do not let the times of want overtake your praise. The world is changing and going to change. And in a moment, it may not be according to our comfort. But the will of God and the days to come are going to be for revival of people and souls. And then the rapture is going to take place. And it is the will of God to keep your soul, even if you don't have everything kept. If you make it to heaven, Jesus said, it's better that you get there blind or crippled or lame than to enter hell whole. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I know I'm going through some trouble, but I will bless the Lord at all times. What you've done is you complained about your trouble when you ought to have been saying, thank you, Lord. You're still a good God. You're still the great God. 
it was just a, maybe a month ago now, Brother Desta from Ethiopia stood in our church and he told us how he had been in prison eight different times on his way to start another church. They had arrested him eight different times throughout the years. And from his own mouth, Brother Desta said, I was so happy to be put in prison because then I had a captive audience. I will bless the Lord at all time. I will bless the Lord at all time. I'm so glad you put me into prison because nobody can get away from me. And he was baptizing the prisoners and the guards in jail while he was there. I want to know what are we going to do? Hey, I will bless the Lord at all times. Do you, do you think that the devil put you there? It could have been the Lord put you in that trial just so you could shine the glory of God and talk about the name of Jesus. God brought you there. Here is the logical mind that thinks that perhaps it's a pragmatic thought, an analytical mind that thinks, no, it was just a series of bad choices, it was, or maybe it was just unfortunate events, or no, 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 Pastor, that, that's not, wait a second, if you get in that, in that straight and you know the name of the Lord, you tell everybody about how good God is, your light never shines greater than when you're in a dark place. I will bless the Lord. And I know that not every testimony is the same. You go through famine, nothing tastes good, things are not well. When you go to do good, evil is present. Your motives are right, but you're accused falsely. Prayers are heavy, answers are few. but I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to keep praising him. See, if you've gone through a famine, you're not guaranteed to bypass the rest of them. One won't preclude another. One does not mean you'll be spared from another. You may go through several in your life. Famines are no respect of persons, ladies and gentlemen, which means that no one is exempt. You can live well, give much, serve daily, and still enter a dry time. But I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is what I know. I know that we struggle with loss and trouble. When we ought to be thanking God in all times, we've got to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to get this here in a moment. Next week. Uh So go ahead and tell us how good God is to you. I want to know. But it will probably be on the heels of your tangible blessing. Tell me how good God's been to you. Because the next line is, because look what's happened to me. It's been a great day. I want to know who in this audience can say how good God has been to you. But it doesn't come on the heels of your tangible blessing. I want to know why you're not rejoicing. I'll tell you when you're rejoicing. You're rejoicing when you win. When you succeed, when you're healed, when you're lifted up, when you got everything together, when you got a lot of food and you got a job increase and a pay increase and a new, and a new thing that's happening to you. But I want to know, are there any people in this house that would say God's good? I've come here to bless his name and it's not contingent upon what I've gone through or my day. In fact, I'm going to bless him at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I need to help you right now. 
because you are still the child of the king and you are still you are still the blood bought and you are still you are still God chosen and the Lord still has his hand on your life I need to tell somebody here's the word when Peter and John met the lame man the lame man never thought that he would be healed and he looked at Peter and John he was expecting to get some money but Peter and John said silver and gold have we none but such as we have give we unto in the name of Jesus rise up and walk here's your bible he came running and dancing and leaping into the temple Just so you know, praise is in order, just so you know. It's in the Bible. When David brought the Ark of the Covenant home, he was dancing and shouting insomuch that he lost his royal robe and he looked like a commoner. Look like everybody else. You see, when you are rejoicing in the Lord, you'll forget about your image and your position. You'll forget about yourself and your self-identity. You'll lose yourself in worship. That's in your Bible. I feel like I need to preach here about this in reality. You may be seated. Clap your hands when you're seated. Famines don't just keep you from provision, but the worst ones will steal your memory. You'll forget about your victory. Long enough, severe enough, you will forget. You'll have to struggle to remember. You have to keep interjecting. You'll have to keep interrupting the voice of the enemy. We used to sing... Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget no name. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never. Mm-hmm. You see, however, I've been around long enough to know that some songs never make it past our own voice because long enough, severe enough, troubling enough, people forget. Joseph is going to enter the throne room of Pharaoh. Pharaoh has the dream. No one knows what it is. Pharaoh is so careful with the dream, he says to all of his magicians and soothsayers and wise men, he says, I have a dream, I need an interpretation. They say to him, tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. (laughs) Pharaoh's clever. He knows. He doesn't trust those guys. He says this, you tell me the dream and then I'll believe your interpretation." (laughs) try that out if you want to know if someone has the goods and you have a dream and they want to help you 
you tell them, tell me what I dreamed, then I'll believe you. This way you, 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 uh, you filter through all the make-believe. People will start to be quiet once you tell them that. Very few lend a helping hand of interpretation. <laughs> and Joseph said, well, I'll give it to you. There's a time of harvest and a time of famine coming. Joseph told them what was in the very near future, seven grain, seven years of grain, rather, seven years of barns overflowing, joy, dancing food, more than enough, more than you need, more than you could ever contain. But the harvest would be followed by seven years of famine. Joseph prophesied these very words to Pharaoh, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following it, for it shall be very grievous. The drought caused them to forget that there ever was a harvest, because when trouble is severe enough, the memory of his goodness is often forgotten. Joseph said, the latter will make you forget the farmer, but I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm reading Ruth 1, and the Lord keeps putting in my mind Psalm 40, Psalm 34. I'm reading, I can't get past the first line. There was a famine in the Lord, and the Lord said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Let me tell you about self-declarations. I have made them. I love them. I want to make more. But my declaration of loyalty and worship is never known until it is put to the test. Peter said to Jesus, I'll never deny you. I will die for you. But a few short hours later when they had taken the Lord and Peter is warming his hands by a fire trying to hear what is happening. It was a young woman who said, aren't you with him? Aren't you one of the disciples? Moments before, Peter's at the Passover dinner telling all of the brethren how profound his love and loyalty was. It was an allegiance born from the inner sanctum of his self-confidence. It sounded good, but yet to be tested. Those are easy words to say on Sunday morning. The dancing, the shouting, the jumping, the clapping, the lifted hands, the voices, the choir. Declarations are always better when you are standing in the light. Try that when you're hiding in the shadows and someone accuses you at the cost of your own life it's a famine of confidence it's a famine filled with fear no one in support and the people you love are not with you and don't want to be identified with you and the name of jesus and his doctrine is not it's not solidly in your hand and you're afraid and that's when you've got to say i'm just going to bless the lord at all times (laughs) people have lost their confidence in the lord they lost their will. They lost their drive. I'm looking out this congregation. I'm feeling your spirit. And some of you are very dry. You're in a famine. You need to pick yourself up. You got to pick yourself up. You got to say, I'm going to live for God with all of my heart. And if it's just me, that's okay. But I've got, I've got to make it now. And you can't afford to die in the famine. Sojourn and dig down right where you are. Mm-hmm. Elimelech took his two sons out of Bethlehem of Judah. He took them away from the land of praise and put them in a place where they could make money. How pitiful was that? I've heard it many times over. How the lost have it better than the church. Now sinners prosper while the saints struggle. But juxtaposed against heaven and hell. I think we're in the right place today. And the famine men make choices that often destroy their families. 
frustrations move into complaints and complaints move into bitterness. And when it's done, Moab looks better than Judah. How could that ever be? Little does Elimelech know that his sons are going to marry Moabite girls. Because young men marry young women who they are around. If you don't want your daughter, I wrote this down for you. I don't know who you are. (laughs) If you don't want your daughter to marry that boy, keep her away from him. I better go over that again. Let's reverse it. If you don't want her to marry him, if you don't want him to marry her, just keep him apart. Mm-hmm. If you say to me, I don't know how it happened. I'm going to say, because you let him be around her. It's never been a mystery. If you're a parent and you're asking the question, chances are you're the answer. How did it happen? You. How did I get in that street? Because you were there. Because you allowed that. Elimelech, he, let, he didn't know. He had no idea. But he moved his sons and he put his boys in the midst of worldly girls. Oh, and now the sermon has taken a dreadful turn. And now... You're going to talk to me about all the excuses that your kids come up with and all the things, but they're wonderful, or I think they're going to serve the Lord, or you know what, they promised they'd come to church. Yeah, that's right, yeah. (laughs) Elimelech may have had more money, but he lost his boys. He traded Judah for a job, because that's what happens when you don't know how to handle your famine. When you go through a famine, you'll make a bad decision because you'll forget what I'm preaching here today. And you need to get back to Jesus. I'll never forget what you've done for me. And if the only thing that Jesus ever does for you is die on a cross and rise again, that's enough for the rest of your life. Be poor. Be a pauper. Love God. But don't ever leave, don't ever leave the, the place that God has promised you. I'm getting used to this pulpit here. It may not survive another couple of weeks. Here's my interjection for you. When you bless the Lord, you bless him not because of what you're going through. You just bless him because that's required of you. When you praise the Lord, that's because that's what's required of you. Now you can be weary and well-doing, but what about being weary and doing poorly? I get Paul's admonition. It concerns me that the enemy would cause us to become discouraged when he knows we're doing well. It's a trick of the devil to pull us down when you're faithful and prayerful and consecrated. But what about being tired of making mistakes? Do I have a witness? What about being tired of missing commitments and feeling sluggish and being defeated? Because you know if no one else knows, you know you're you're a lot hypocrite. More hypocrite than saint. 
Can I just preach a little reality in this house? Not everyone gets weary and well-doing. Some just get tired of failing. I know I'm not alone, but I just want to talk to you. The Bible says a just man falls seven times and he gets up again. The power of the statement is that he gets up. But the shame is that he keeps falling. Now, most people can't get up after two or three times of making a mistake or failing. And other folks will look around and say, what? And you might even say to yourself, I'm still dry. I'm still hurt. I'm still messing up. I'm still wanting to believe, but doubt seems to creep in. Needing some joy, but it seems like there is no fruit. And now what? You see, I've been around a long time, and I know that more people than not fail, and they fall. Success and overcoming and triumph, all of our hope, yes, we want that, but most people wilt in the face of giants, and they retreat by the sound of oppressors, and we believe the negative more than we believe the miracle. So now what? Here's the answer. You stay where you are. If you're in a drought, you start praising God where you are. If your voice is weak, you thank God for his provisions. And you love the Lord with all of your heart. And if you don't know what to do, you start praying right where you're sitting and right where you're standing, right where you live. And you pray, God, give me strength to go go on one more day because I don't know how I'm going to make it. You got to get real with yourself and realize that he's good and you're not. He's God and I'm not. And I want to interject again. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let me just help the church today. If we're going to reach this world, we're going to have to understand that people are fallible just like we are and everybody needs God. I don't care what you wore today. This just could be your Sunday morning clothes. But in the real world, you're not wearing a tie probably every day and you're struggling most days. So you've just got to say every day, I'm committed to something. God gave me a promise and I'm going to bless the Lord today. And I'm going to praise the Lord today. Mm, I feel the spirit of the Lord here now. And I feel like God is trying to pull something out of you. Now it's time for you to say, okay, Lord, I submit to that. I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I bless your name, Lord. You don't have to remind him of what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. Now's the time to change the verbiage out of your mouth and just say, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I don't know how to get out of this, but I bless you. I don't know what to do, but I praise your name. I don't, I don't know where I'm going, Lord, but I, I can see one step. I bless your name. I praise your name. I give you glory today. I give you, I give you glory and praise today. Praise was never really about my condition anyway. Praise to him was not about how I felt anyway. Praise was always about how good he is and what he has done throughout all the universe. In fact, when David said to us to praise the Lord according to his excellent greatness, David never said, I'm praising you according to what you did for me. David was saying, look at all the things you've done. Praise you for that. 
for the sky and the moon and the stars and the earth and the firmament and the waters and the air and the food and the glory I praise you for all that you've done you don't even have to talk about yourself you praise him it was never about you anyway it was always about the Lord I'm almost done I feel like I'm I feel like I'm wading into something here because I'm dealing with a mindset and the mindset is that we struggle in our lives and we struggle to give God praise and glory when we are down and when we are sluggish and when we are confused and when we are weary in our spirit but I have to stand here and just keep interjecting to that spirit I will bless the Lord at all times don't you know that this is a spiritual transaction and all of you have walked in here with all kinds of things but I stand here as an oracle of the most high God just to say I will bless the Lord we will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth I'm going to keep praising him I want to confound all those people who know that we go through trouble I want to confound all those negative folks who say why are you still there I got a reason why because he's good because his mercy endures forever because he has saved my soul and if in this temporal life I am struggling I know there's something higher than that I want to prepare you I'm preparing the church today I feel I feel this burden on me I'm preparing the church today Walk every day and bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. You, you're, you're going to forget what I'm saying if you, don't, if you don't etch it in your brain. Every day you wake up, you say, thank you, Lord. I praise you. I bless your name. When you go through trouble, before you let everyone know on Facebook all about your grief, I bless you, Lord. When the enemy speaks into your brain, have, and he's making a debate and he's, he's setting the scene of the order. You call out from the gallery and say, I will bless the Lord all times. You interject something. I've got to interject something into your brain and into your spirit and into the spirit of the age. The church is alive. The church is well. The church is healthy. The church is moving forward. God is on his throne and there's going to be a great revival. There's going to be an end time revival. Okay, let me just tell you, in, oh, I wasn't going to go down here. In the end time, the, wait one second, I'm sorry, wait one second. In the end time, both Daniel and Revelation, the books are written 700 years apart. In the end time, the kingdoms or nations will often be represented by animals. So the end time prophecy... There is a leopard. He has four heads. Um, there is a lion. There's a bear. There's a, an eagle. Stands up like a man. These are nations. The, the bear is often represented throughout history as Russia, Magog. Um, the lion has been represented for centuries uh, of England. The, 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 the eagle that stands up like a man, it, 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 it's, it could be very well that that is America. 
It's an end time. We are a baby nation. We're, we're not even 250 years old. It's a, this is an infant nation that we're living in. But the Bible has these descriptions and, and, and our, our birth, our, 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 our idea of understanding is, we would call it probably more commonly Judeo-Christian understanding, which means that, that our birth is from the scripture, from, from, uh, from Judea. It's, it's, of course, birthed in the scripture. This is the biblical uh, uh, construct. It, 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 has, um, it, it, it has all of its tenets that reach back all the way to the book of Acts. And the people that were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts were all Jews. In fact, no one had even received anything until the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 stood there with with Philip and then and then the next bridge was Acts chapter 10 where a bunch of Italians praise God for the Italians I'll just thank them I don't know if the Campisi, Bungiovanni, the Castagiovanni's or the Farinos were there but I think so Cornelius that was his first name his last name was Farino it's not in the scripture but I feel like it was and all of us Italians got joined in in Acts chapter 10. And look, this was a Jew. In fact, the Jews thought the salvation was of the Jews. That Jesus was of the Jews. Of course. And this is from this birth. And so our tenets go back to Acts chapter 2. And I want to tell you, we are not Protestants in this room. We are not a Protestant group. If anyone wants to know what's new life about, we're not Protestant. We were never in protest. You're not a Protestant. Your roots don't go back to Martin Luther nailing his theses on a, on a door in Westminster. No. This goes back to Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. You are part of the original vine that was grafted in in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible talks about this, this wing, this eagle's wing that covers Israel. It covers Jerusalem. It's, a, it's, it's an image of protection. This prophetic word is image of protection. And I was, I was awakened in my spirit when I read the USS Ford, which is the, which is the largest carrier in our fleet, was sent to the Gulf, was sent there last week. It's the largest carrier. It doesn't go by itself. There's submarines and battleships and there's a host that's going with it. And I just, as soon as I, I heard that and saw it, I felt the eagle's wing is there. But the next time we see it, the wing is gone. We got this mentality that we're just going to be here forever and nothing's going to happen to us because we're Americans. I just want you to know, you have a small window to do the work of God because you don't know when the wing's going to be gone and missing. Now, if by chance that the scripture and prophetic word has been laid out even by the historians and by the theologians, we have to know that the end of time is very close by. We have to know that the center of the world is not America, it's not Washington, D.C., it's Jerusalem, because God said, that's where I'm going to put my name. The capital of the world is in Jerusalem. You, you don't have to believe this. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. So you're, we're living good right now. Everyone's living good right now. But the moment that things turn bad, do not blame God. Look up and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. You cruise in here. You're going to have a good lunch afterwards. But I think we got to get our, I think we got to get our strength together and say, even when I'm in trouble, God's still good. I will praise him at all times. I am about the kingdom.
I'm just flowing with this. What happens when your money's no good? See, no one is here that was trying to raise a family in 1929 in the late winter of 1929 when you could have a wheelbarrow full of money and still not afford to buy a loaf of bread. What happens when your, when your national get, debt gets over $35 trillion? We're at 34 now. What happens when the economy goes, goes belly up? What happens? I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm just wanting you to know, don't have confidence in this world. Don't, don't have confidence in the federal government and on your state government. Don't have confidence in your jobs and factories. We pray for everybody. We're thankful for it. Don't have confidence in this world. You have your confidence in God. And if you go through little trouble or great trouble, here's what you ought to say. I'm blessing the Lord at all times. I want to interject. I'm blessing the Lord at all times. I'm going to do the work of God right now where I'm at. Dig down a little bit. I'm imploring you, Father. I'm imploring you, husband. Get a hold of what I'm preaching today. Get a hold of it. Men, get a hold of this. Where, where did you come from? Ed Schaefer, where are you at, Ed? I know a fraction of your story, Ed. I just want to repeat just a little fraction of it. You found yourself lying in a pool of water. It's been a long time. How many years ago? Shout it out. You were 21, lost, just struggling with alcohol, just nothing. Picked himself up, but God had mercy on your soul. God rescues and saves. And all those years, I just, I want to say something to you. Keep digging, keep loving. Keep blessing the Lord. Keep blessing the Lord. Brother Bonilla, our our pastor of Nueva Vida, Brother Bonilla, the... um, the pastor, the minister that first, I talked to him, uh, he's, he's in Oregon. I can't remember his name right now. Yes, Mirandas, yes. I was in Oregon. He was saying how, how wonderful you, you both, both are. But then he said, you know that when I first met Brother Bonilla, he said, Alfredo, he said, I arrested him and had him in the back of my squad car. I said, tell me more about that. He said, yeah. He said, I picked him up. I had him in the back of my car. The Lord has brought you. Don't forget that. James Van Zandt. Stand up, James Van Zandt. Stand up. When James Van Zandt came to church many years ago, James, the Lord filled you with the Holy Ghost. Hard rock. He loved the hard rock, James. I don't even know all the names of the groups. James was so excited about receiving the Holy Ghost. He went home. His best friend was in the... I hope I'm getting this right. 
his best friend was in the room and James said, I got the Holy Ghost. And his best friend at the time said, well, what is that? He, he said something like this. I'm not exactly sure, but I was speaking in other tongues. And James said, I'm paraphrasing. Help me. Do you want the Holy Ghost? You said to your friend. And he, what did he say? Did he say yes or let's try it or what? He's got to have it. It just kind of happened. But you wanted to pray, James, but you didn't want your mom to hear you because you knew this is a little crazy. So you had a big stereo system and you turned up the music. What, what song was, what, what did you play? What, what group was it, James? What? I don't know what group is that. Is that a bad group? It's a hard rock nasty group. He turned up the hard rock nasty group is blaring and said, we're going to pray for the Holy Ghost right now. I don't care what's playing. Hey, don't forget that, James. Don't forget that. And dig and dig and dig. And when you go through a dry spell, you dig because you know the Lord is coming back. Come on, somebody say, lift up your hand right now and say, I'm committed to bless the Lord now. I'm committed to bless his name. I'm committed to bless the Lord right now. I'm committed to bless the Lord. There's an urgency in my spirit. There's an urgency in my spirit. And I'm concerned about some of you that are going through a drought. But you don't recognize that the Lord can still be praised during your low time. And during your drought time. And during your anguish time. And the coming of the Lord is too, is too soon for you to give up now. Just lift up your hand right now. You're, listen, the Lord's been talking to you this whole time. You're not going to make a foolish decision. Don't make no rash, foolish decision during your low time. But say, I'm committed to the Lord. I'm going to sojourn in the land that the Lord has given me. I'm going to get deeper. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get more committed than I've ever been before. I'm going to love him with all of my heart. I know what the devil's trying to say, but I have an interjection to make here today. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Yadaba <laughs> Koyobo